Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project. I'm Jay Harrington. Joining me today is my friend and uh, sometimes collaborator and mentor from afar, Laura Frederick. And I'd be surprised if anyone in our audience wasn't already familiar with Laura, but in case you need a refresher, she's an accomplished lawyer and founder of How to Contract, a platform that helps lawyers and in-house contract teams master real-world drafting and negotiating skills, and ContractsCon, an annual training conference, which is quickly approaching, in fact, it's kicking off on January 17th in Las Vegas, and you can and should get your tickets at contractscon.com. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you and, and talk to you. Uh, we haven't done this in a little while, so it's, it's a good opportunity to catch up. Um, so the topic we're going to be diving into today, Laura, is um, a discussion of I guess what we're probably going to call this episode, how to turn thought leadership into dollars. And before we dive in, I'd like to ask you about an announcement you made on LinkedIn earlier this week, which I think will serve as a good segue into our conversation, which is that you announced you have closed your law firm, Laura Frederick Law, PLLC. And, um, you know, oftentimes those sort of announcements are ones where, uh, you know, a business is closing, but in your case, you had a good problem to have, uh, which is, you know, multiple uh, successful businesses. So can you talk a little bit about uh, that decision and, and maybe what you are doing now? Yeah. So I started my law firm, you know, I went, I was uh, in-house counsel for 14 years after nine years in law firms. And I opened the firm in January, 2019. And it was did you know the first year like most law firms didn't do that well I mean it was fine I made enough money but it wasn't huge but then by the second year I was making really good money and I that was when I started it was 2020 and that's when the pandemic hit and I started realizing I needed to kind of step out from behind the shadows and uh, do some marketing and you know, learned from you, you were my mentor as well on thought leadership. So I started that summer. And then after I started, it, it didn't necessarily grow really quickly. Uh, it took time, but eventually I started the following year, I started my business, How to Contract. And then over the last two and a half years, How to Contract has increasingly taken up or been earning more and more money to the point where this year, uh, last year, I was mostly the law firm, probably a two-thirds law firm, one-third how to contract in, um, income. And this year, I just kind of made the decision I'm going all in. And so I'm, you know, 99% uh, how to contract income. I hadn't billed an hour since January, and it's December now. And I thought, you know, I'm coming up in the fifth-year anniversary, that malpractice insurance payments due. <laughs> It's time to just close up because uh, I don't have any plans to practice anytime soon because I've got how to contract set up. So it's got kind of systematic income. It's got systems. It's got products. So I feel like it's um, a, a solid business I can rely on for my income. Well, that's awesome. And I'm sure uh, there's a bunch of 
jealous lawyers who are evaluating whether they're going to hit their billable hour numbers this year, hearing that you didn't bill a single one last year. Um, but but that's great. Or this I, year, this year. I or this year, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's I okay. forgot we're still in, uh, <laughs> we're still in 2023 for exactly. a bit longer. Um, so in any event, so that that's, I, I think, a good transition point for us to kind of turn to um, what you are focused on now and re what, really what you're looking to accelerate moving forward, um, which is your how to contract and contracts con platforms. And when I say platforms, you know, I, I use that term intentionally because I think, you know, ultimately, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, these businesses are really based on the collective expertise that you've developed over many years of experience focused on commercial contracts. And you are in various ways leveraging that expertise, turning it into different forms of content, and now monetizing or turning into dollars um, that expertise. And so what this boils down to is, you know, you are leveraging your thought leadership um, in different ways uh, to run, uh, you know, related, but but somewhat different businesses. And so, you know, as a starting point in this conversation, because I think we're going to build up to, you know, providing some actionable advice, insights, and um, and other uh, other guidance for people who might be thinking about turning their own expertise into thought leadership. You you think about a couple different categories or types of thought leadership and thought leaders out there. Um, you mentioned these to me previously. Can can we start by having you talk about like category one or type one thought leadership and type two thought leadership um, as you described them to me? Yeah, I think there's really, and as I see it, and as, and I see this in my own journey, was I started my thought leadership efforts to attract clients for my law firm. That was in the summer, August 2020. You know, I wanted to uh, become more well known so I could attract clients. I wanted to people have people, you know, recognize me as an expert beyond my my small circle of friends and former coworkers which to that point, those were the only sources of my past clients up until that August, 2020. And so I started down the path and, and again, really it was that for a while thought leadership, you know, I was doing a little bit on the side for fun, you know, but it wasn't really intended to replace my law firm income. It was just sort of like, why not try and monetize it when I started in March, 2021. I didn't expect it to make enough money that I would close down my law firm. But I think sometime in probably earlier in 2020, late 2022, early 2023, I realized I could make a living out of this business. And I think the second category of thought leadership is really people who are doing it to make money. I'm not a thought leader to you know, promote a secondary business that I have. I'm just here to promote this business that's related to my thought leadership. And it's everything I do in my thought leadership is really ties back to this main income, you know, the income. Although I always say I'm 50% inc or 50% money, 50% mission, because the beauty of it is that those things are intertwined for me that I can uh, pursue helping people and that also supports making money and when I make money it also supports helping people so it's it's a beautiful little um, situation for me yeah yeah that's great um so yeah it, it's interesting to me I I mean I I guess I I've, I've probably thought about that in similar terms I mean I'm certainly more category one I have category two like sort of monetize my thought leadership that primarily in the form of my books 
but I do, you know, the articles I write, my newsletter, my podcast, I'm not monetizing any of those things other than those are the main drivers of, you know, the consulting, coaching, training type work that I'm doing, um, which for me is working right now. But, you know, I have, I, I think I have aspirations in particular in 2024 to try to start moving more into category two in some areas of my business. Um, so, so I'm definitely focused on this. And when we were, when I was preparing to have this conversation, you know, there's this pithy phrase that I've heard a couple people use before. I can't really remember who or, uh, or attribute it to anyone, but it's this concept of when it comes to thought leadership, content creation, you know, there's this two-step process, which is the first is get going and then get good. Um, and I think there's there's something to that. Um, it's a memorable, you know, like pith, pithy phrase, like I said. But I think there's something to that, which is, you know, you, you, it's hard for anyone who is um, approaching thought leadership to uh, set a standard where or an expectation that they're going to be really good at it, like from the very start. Podcasting is a great example of that. Like, you know, our first episodes were were very cringy, uh, and and I hopefully we've gotten better over time, but. Um, you know, we got going and, and I think we've gotten good over time. Um, now, the, what something I he also heard recently, which builds on that phrase, which I think is applicable here, which is that um, getting good at it is something that allows you certainly to start driving business opportunities to your underlying service offering, for example, the way many lawyers use thought leadership right now. Um, the third thing would be get get going, get good, and then get smart. And I think that's really where you're going, Laura, right now, which is like, thinking about how do I not just create content to in hopes of, you know, some driving some business opportunity that will require me to spend time, effort and hours um, serving someone else. But like, how do I build something that will scale and grow and, and again, becomes passive income to some extent, although I don't think any income is really passive. But like, what do you think about that formulation? Do you think that's a necessary journey for most people where it's like, you got to get going? You got to get good, you know, as a result of getting going. And then ultimately, maybe you get to a point where you think differently about your thought leadership. Yeah, I think for me, it, it almost because I started, I invested a lot of time in, you know, well, I guess I should say the choices I were was making early on in the business side. So March 2021 on um, were not smart. And mm -hmm. I that's definitely for me where I was getting going. Yeah. And so I almost think there's the thought leadership path, which is one path. And I think that definitely applies um, where in the beginning, no matter what you do, like I had expertise, my early tips, I even looking back at them, they were good. They were all, you know, because I spent a lot of time, I edited them, all that kind of stuff. And, the, but they did get better over time, but I don't, and the thought leadership side, I think in ways that's fine. If you're only looking to do thought leadership, you don't even necessarily have to get smart. Mm -hmm. I think getting smart really comes in when you're trying to make money. Yeah. And you're trying to turn your thought leadership into something. And I can tell you having, you know, coming up, I guess it's two and three quarters years it's, uh, that I'm at now. And it wasn't until I'd say even this fall that I started to get smart because mm -hmm. I just kept trying everything. I would, let's do a membership. Let's see how this works. Great. Okay. That was good. Let's do some paid webinars. We'll see how this works. We'll do some sponsored content, you know, do contracts con, do contracts con local, just try everything. Let's, and then get to a place where for me that gets smart part is really about 
the amount of effort it takes me to do something, mm -hmm. how much I enjoy it, and do I have a system in place that I am confident I can grow it? Some of it, as you said, it'll never be passive 100%, but I feel like I'm serving the market and I'm serving myself because I'm not running around crazy, trying to, to create things all the time. I, I have a plan. I know where I'm going. I think I'm, I didn't reach this point until just this fall. Yeah. It, it, agreed. Yeah, that kind of brings to mind another pithy phrase, which is like, it, it's often better to be prolific than perfect. Meaning, you know, in order to, you kind of go through the same iteration uh, or anyone does where it's like with your the actual content you're creating, like let's just use posting on LinkedIn, for example, like you have to get going then ultimately you get good. But then when you get to the point where you're at this phase ready to try to monetize your thought leadership, you again have to sort of get going and then get good again because it's a different it's a different thing. Like you're it, putting putting content out that like people resonate with and nod their heads to when they read it is one thing, but getting them to like, you know, figure out a business model and how to monetize is, is a totally different skill set, I guess. So is that that same iterative process I think applies regardless of what, what phase or what category of thought leadership you're in. And I'd also say, because so much of our success in this get smart phase is about what we enjoy doing. What are we good at? I'm good at contracts, but, you know, one of the things I discovered is I don't like writing. I was thinking, oh, I should write these articles. It'll promote, it'll do all these things. But I'm like, it doesn't move me. Um, and then for a while, I was really focused on trying to get sponsored events, sponsored content, do that sort of thing and make money that way. But what I found is, you know, that's not the core of what I love. What I love is talking about contracts, not trying to do sales to sponsors. Um, and so I've really, this that's part of that get smart this fall. It's not just I've seen my mistakes, but I'm learning more about myself and where I want to go and what, not just the content that moves me, which, you know, again, I love contracts. I could talk about it all day, but what activities move me and then what are the, how do I shape those activities so they're profitable? Um, and so I, that's to me what getting smart is at this phase. It's both from a, what am I doing day to day? What products am I offering? Um, because I have to figure those out in a way that make money because I could make money selling sponsored webinars. I can make money, you know, putting ads on my newsletter. I can do a lot of those things, but those, they don't get me excited. But the idea of offering courses and talking to people and workshops and memberships and, you know, I, I love video um, delivery of contract training. And I'm like, this is what gets me excited. This is where I want to be. So that's kind of my journey to get smarter um, this fall. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And that's a, I think that's a universal lesson for whatever you're doing, um, especially from a marketing or business development or thought leadership standpoint is like, fo yeah, focus on what you enjoy doing. I mean, there's many different ways to get the message out. Um, or in the case of, you know, thought leadership category two, monetize. Um, so might as well gear things towards things that you're going to, that are going to bring you energy. They're going to, you're going to be enthusiastic about like, that's so important. And I think it's oftentimes so overlooked when people will be like, oh, what platform should I be on? Or what's hot and trending now? It's like, what's the, you know, what what do people want? It's like, no, you've got to, there's a lot of different things that could work. You've got to gear it towards things that you are sustainable for you. Yeah. And the one thing I'd say, I noticed a parallel with my law firm because mm -hmm. when I open my law firm, I'm like, I can do everything. Yeah. You know, I don't want to niche down. 
I'm a lawyer. If you have a contract, I'm the right lawyer for you. And over time, I learned, well, I don't really like serving these kinds of clients. I like serving these other clients. I don't really, I could do this work, this, you know, X work, but I don't really like doing X work. I'm just going to do the work I like. And over time, as you get to know yourself and where you can make money, because I had, you know, smaller clients that required me to do estimates up front. And it was just a ton of time. And then I discovered, because I tend, I have a, a specialty of large scale equipment purchases in the renewable energy industry. And I discovered if I just did those, it was very little admin work. They'd pay me a premium on my time. And it was like, oh, I can make way more money doing what I love. But it took me a while to get smart with my firm. So I'd say uh, thought leadership has that same evolution, especially for people who are have their own firm or businesses already. You know, just know going into it, you're probably going to follow a similar path as you are here. Yeah, right. Exactly. That, it makes me think I, my newsletter that I wrote for last week was um, it talks about the difference between what what you could do versus what you should do. You know, and this is that example. Like I and I, I've been through this with my business, my law firm, now my agency. It's like. There's all kinds of things you could do and and there's the ways to make money but what are the few things you should do and which would include things that you know again bring you energy that you're enthusiastic about and that ultimately are going to be more profitable in the long run so you know yeah but yeah you kind of have to make some of those stumbles along the way to figure that out i think for most people and i the other thing i'd say and i hear this a lot of people have good ideas mm -hmm. like i'm a smart person i'm good at this wouldn't it be cool if I did this and I charge? Um, and we all come with our own good ideas. But the one of the other important things I learned is you have to align, just because you have a good idea, just because you can do that good idea, doesn't mean that one, it's going to be profitable. And two, that you're going to enjoy the tasks associated with that idea. Like I was talking about writing. If I had said, oh, it'd be great. I can set up a blog site and I can sell content that way and I can promote them. But I wouldn't have been happy because it's not, I don't love doing, again, not, it's not about the having a book, for example, and writing it. I could do it, mm -hmm. but it's not something that brings me joy. So um, yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's important. It, these are things that you have to give thought to. And and again, you probably won't know until you actually do a lot of them. And and just keep that in mind though, that you don't have to keep doing something that doesn't that you don't like. There's something else out there that can work just as well. Um and, and it'll be more sustainable for you. Um so let's get practical here. Like, cause I mean, a lot of our listeners are practicing lawyers and they're probably not like it's not on their radar screen necessarily that they're going to um, you know, like you kind of leave their legal practice altogether and become a full-time thought leader, content creator, business owner, um, doing something different, but related. Um, so is it, is it, is this like a binary choice where someone either can monetize their thought leadership or practice law and use thought leadership to drive business to their legal practice? Like, are, I, I, I know the answer I think you're going to say is, is yes, there is a, a middle ground, but I want to dig into that a little bit. Cause I think I want, People, we can talk about and hash out like some ways lawyers might think about considering monetizing some of their thought leadership and what that might entail, what those options are. Yeah. So definitely there is, although you have to decide, you know, you can't 
serve two masters essentially mm -hmm. you're yeah. gonna have one is going to be more important and for if a law firm owner that's always going to be your clients even for me when i as how to contract was growing and it was becoming bigger and providing more revenue if they said jump i had to say how high because i'm a solo practice so if if the timing of their needs didn't align with the timing of my running my other business they always won. So that's one of the challenges I think people will have. And But the way you get around that is you devise your thought leadership, what you're doing in a way that doesn't depend on quick turnarounds time, that you're able to plan in advance. So for example, the first year of my membership, I promised a checklist or a video training or you know a guide or something each week. That was the, the bulk of my membership was a weekly training email um, or content. And I was able to do those way in advance. So I got them done in advance. So I, if I had a rush project for a client, I didn't have to you know, drop everything for the business. I would caution people because I think membership is a common step for people to take in the beginning. And they're thinking, oh, it's passive income. It's steady income. You know, I'll have all these people paying me 30 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. I can sit back. But I think you and I both have had our challenges with memberships. It's it's hard because it's an ongoing attention and and need and frankly, time suck if yep. depending on how you set it up, because I had hired consultants and they're like, okay, you have to be available. You have to add value every week and every month. And you have to constantly be putting yourself into it. But a lot of memberships don't make that much money. So I found that maybe the first year, year and a half I did it was like, this isn't making me money for, you know, I'm probably making 20 bucks an hour on my membership for the amount of time I spend working on it. Yeah, no, I agreed. Um, we we did go through something similar, and and yeah, it's very rewarding because you're able to yeah. interact with lots of people and deliver value. But it's, I, I think it comes it comes down to something. I think is because there is this there is this environment out there that if you depending on what information you seek out, you know, make some of these things sound easy, and you know, makes the potential return seem huge, right? Oh, all you got to do is get you know X number of members to pay just. $29 a month and just do the math. And that's, you know, this huge amount of quote unquote passive income, but it, it, that's not the way it goes. I mean, every, everything I've never done anything in 17 or 18 years of entrepreneurship now where it, it hasn't required a hard grind. And so you've got to, you know, you've got to be realistic and, um, and membership is one of those things you have to be ca conscious of and cautious of. And I've seen lots of people try it and I haven't seen it, you know, in, in many respects, the first time around, the first iteration, work all that well. Like the assumptions were wrong. And like, you, you know, I know in, in yeah. your case, you're in the process of rethinking that now. Yeah. So I'm, and one last thing on that was lawyers in particular have to be careful because we have such a high billable hour rate. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're working in solo, you're a small firm, you're making hundreds of dollars for every hour you support clients. And now you're going to make $10 an hour for every hour you work on your membership with the hope that that will turn into passive income. But I think we have to be extra disciplined on how we um, spend our time just because we have such an opportunity cost for every minute that we put into um, our 
membership or products. But yeah, I think on your point about membership, I just launched a new version because I had the time suck membership before where I was, you know, constantly trying to do things and imagine things. It always felt like it was never enough, not because the members weren't amazing and wonderful and supportive, but I was, I was always like, how do I do more? How do I bring more value? And I was kind of preoccupied by that and offering things that were huge amounts of time but with very little benefit to the members that not many people took advantage of or didn't value. So when I was thinking about wanting to do a new membership, I decided to go with a lower price point. So I'm doing it's $195 a year, $19 a month. And I'm delivering about the main uh, benefit is I'm delivering 15 minutes of uh, training each week to somebody's inbox, which is a combination of an original video for that week, maybe five, 10 minutes of that, five minutes of a uh, past topic and some links and article, you know, links to other things, my tips all on a particular subject. So that's the style. But the other benefit, which is, you know, something again, talk about getting smart is I've designed the membership to support my growing courses and workshop business. So everybody who's a member gets a 25% discount on every course and every workshop, which are flat priced at 195 each. Mm -hmm. So basically they, it pays for itself very quickly. I'm not promising I'm going to show up on a weekly call. I'm not promising anything beyond that weekly email. Um, so I th I'm excited about it. I think it's the right model for my community and for what I want to do. Yeah, no, that sounds really great. And, and hopefully it, you don't have people trying to ask you what their login and password is along the way too. I mean, these are well, some the of the little things. Is, that, yeah. No, but we're all, and before that was totally an issue with the old membership. But now because we've got the infrastructure of customer support, because we're doing contracts con and courses and workshops and a library we have all this stuff so we have gotten to the point where having that we don't have to worry about that cost of helping people with their changing passwords and other issues um, right so yeah. yeah you've gotten to a certain level of scale which is great because you can then accommodate those things um which is which is awesome it's kind of like a plateau you, get, you hit certain plateaus and that's one of them i feel like the you know the building infrastructure around something like this that's you know can be fairly time intensive um so all right, so let's let's give a few other examples and maybe just talk a couple through and and maybe you just give give me your impressions because I was trying to think about this and I'm like, all right, if I'm a, if I'm a lawyer, if I put myself back into practicing law, like you know what if if I was interested in monetizing thought leadership, like okay, we talked about membership communities and and you know some of the pros and cons, and that that probably falls more on the spectrum of like time and labor intensive. Um, you need a long time scale. You know, it can be lucrative, but it's going to take a big investment in order to make that happen with the, if you're a full-time practicing lawyer. Um, but some of the other ones, you know, I, I just jotted down, you know, it, a course, right. A, a, like a, a course on something you're an expert in um, that could be some, some way to monetize your thought leadership, a book. All right. I mean, uh, a number of lawyers have gone this route and I, I know several examples of ones who have written books that have been um, both, probably earned at least some income, maybe enough to take a nice vacation every year, but yeah, really driven new business for their legal practice as well. Um, you know, some, I'm sure there's lawyers out there who are monetizing YouTube videos in a way that's earning them some income, um, podcasts, another way. I mean, I, I know several lawyers who have well-regarded popular podcasts who are sponsored podcasts. They've cho chosen to go that route. I don't know what they're making off that, but um, it's probably not, 
um, insignificant. It sponsors for newsletters, something you mentioned, Laura, um, that you haven't done yet, but it's certainly a possibility. And then paid speaking opportunities. This is an interesting one for me because I feel like most people have an inclination that speaking for whatever reason should be free, right? I mean, I, I, most lawyers, when they, they think the value is in like getting up in front of an audience. And I think that is to some extent, but there's, there's certainly gotta be lawyers out there who are charging um, speaker fees. And I think that if you do speak, like thinking in terms of like, how do I take my speaking to the next level and start charging for it might be another option. And then training, right? Um, thinking it not just in terms of delivering legal services, but doing a training. And you've done that uh, quite a bit, Laura. And then and then a conference. I know that's something else you've done. And that's another big heavy lift for an individual lawyer to take on. But, but what do you think? Did I capture most of the categories? Can you think of any others? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, the one I, I don't think you got was sponsored webinars and um, sponsored online meet, you know, like master class or five day challenge. So um, those are kind of variations of that. Like the, the five day challenge, I haven't done them, but it's on my list of something I want to do, which is you have a five day challenge. You basically do some training over five days. It's very usable. You have a minimum fee to come in like $29 for this five day challenge and half hour, you know, session each day. And on the fifth day, you offer them some amazing price on another product or a, a thing you have. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of that as a very good, and some people even do that regularly. They have these five-day challenges, a hundred bucks each time, and they get so many people to come, it becomes profitable. Um, and then, or doing the webinar with sponsors, because yeah. if you have a community, that's, I think, part of the challenge. Um, and I fell into it myself that I didn't really realize how important the community was to thought leadership, because I don't think I was planning to monetize the community um, or make money because I had a big community. I wasn't, I just wanted people to get to know me. But over time, I could see by putting myself out there as, as a thought leader, and you grow the people who you know are attracted to your message or appreciate your message, and then they're ready to spend money with you. And whether that's money um, because a sponsor sees you have that community and they're willing to sponsor your webinar or event, or you're charging the community. Um, but that's something, and, and maybe we can talk about it in a minute or two, but that idea of how does thought leadership and community and money form this these intersections it's almost I don't know what the right word is Venn diagram is two circles so that's three circles yeah. um, but really the money the thought leadership and the community I think are essential parts of that um, success story yeah right yeah you kind of need you kind of need all three um, and to be thinking about all three uh, yeah you can I mean yeah absolutely um, and maybe just the um, as a first step, like developing the expertise, right? I mean, that's that's one thing you see, I think, in in other domains, right, where people who haven't actually done the thing um, jump in and try to, you know, brand themselves as the guru in the space. Um, so you got to you do, do have to put the hard work in. Um, I'm interested. I was the the challenge is interesting to me, Laura, because um, I I might have mentioned. Oh, I did because I you're actually quoted in it. Um, my new book I'm working on, which um, is coming out a little later than I anticipated, in part because I completely, and you probably can relate to this, like completely reworked a couple chapters after I thought it was completely done. Um, so I think I now am done, but my 
my new chapter eight in that book is describing um, as a sort of capstone to the to the book all the everything that led up to it related to business development is is a challenge right it's like all right how do we put these things into action and i am in the process of planning to roll out some sort of program um also in the new year that involves a business development challenge so i'll, I'll let you know how that goes from my standpoint but i i do that that to me that appeals to me because i was trying to look in other domains and this is probably another point we should we should talk about because um, I think oftentimes, you know, the best ideas are not from looking, staying within the silo of like the legal industry, thought leadership, but like what's happening in the world of health and fitness and all these other domains where people are not only creating lots of great thought leadership content, but monetizing it as well. And so that idea of a challenge, you know, borrowed sort of from the physical fitness or, um, you know, uh, health and wellness um thought leadership domains to me appealed to me as something that we could bring into our our domain and and maybe get people motivated to take action. So um, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think the other thing I'll um, I want to emphasize for people that I think of as one of the most important um, reasons for my success is because I've been very nimble. Mm -hmm. And when something's not working, I find a way an off ramp. I I, don't, I shut it down and move to something else. In the beginning, I felt terrible when I would close something or I'd offer something and then not offer it. I was betraying everyone. And even though nobody paid for it or I refunded the money if I decided not to do it, I just right. had this personal failure feeling about it. And I've kind of gotten over that. And, and I'm like, this is how business works is if you stay, if you pick something and stick with it, no matter what, you're, you're really dooming yourself to failure because none of us know what's going to be successful from, from day one. And whatever one, my business mentor said to me, and this was long before I started this business, was whatever you think your business is going to be, it's not. Your business is something else and you're going to discover it along the way and you need to be nimble enough to to move in that direction, even though that's not where you think you should be going. But when everything in your world, all the profit, all the attention, all the interest is pulling you that way, you have to be going with eyes open. And I see entrepreneurs having trouble with that because they're so, this is my business. This is what I'm going to do. They don't make money. They don't have success, but they're like, I got to do it because I, I said I was going to. And especially as lawyers, I think we're even more inclined that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Trustworthy, reliable. You know, I don't want to let anyone down, nor do I want to look silly. Right. I mean, when you do, exactly. build an audience, I mean, I went through, you know, we went through shutting down our thought leader collaborative, you know, about a year and a half ago or whatever that was. And yeah, you, I mean, it's, you know, you, had, I don't know, there's a bit of shame involved or something like yeah. that. Like, hey, this didn't work. But I, you know, that, I guess uh, enough repetitions doing that. I've done it in many different ways. Like you get you get you get over it quickly. And and yeah, you do have to move fast and break things, as they say. Um yeah. to the point where you want to go. And I think one is it's we've all know the lesson of other people don't really care about us. Like mm -hmm. they care about themselves. And I think uh, that was my how I finally got comfortable with it, which is I was realizing, even though me like shifting this membership or closing this product or having to refund an event because we're not going to offer it after all felt embarrassed and I was ashamed in the end of the day nobody cares that much you know I, I'm not cheating anybody out of anything but whether I have an event in February or I don't mm -hmm. no one's life 
really mad is contingent on this and once I kind of you know there's that the another pithy saying which is get over yourself once I kind of lost that sense of self and focus on self and just focused more on well if I do that event in February which was not going to be the big success I'm taking my time away from something that would be and I, I owe it to myself and to my community to do the stuff that they need and all of that, which again was a big lesson for me for my that membership I had where I was like trying to do what I thought they needed and it wasn't what they needed. And I lost a lot of time and money because I was so stuck following it. So that yeah. staying nimble is so critical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, maybe last topic. We can take it wherever you want to go if you if you if you've got more. But one thing I was curious about to ask you about was how you think about um, this issue of specialization versus diversification, like with your income streams related to thought leadership. Um, I mean, I I would imagine if, if I think about my own experience, experience talking to other people, I don't know what your answer is going to be, but sometimes diversification comes just as a result of, you know, it's sort of like it's not a master plan. It just, we create lots of things, we monetize them over time. But have you, have you given some thought as to like, are you, do you want more diversification? Uh, do you want less? Uh, do you want to be more concentrated? I don't know if you've given that issue much thought. Kind of thought because okay. I really, and some of my thought, I really think about it a couple of ways. One is who's doing it for my business. It's a training business. How much do I give, do my, do the training myself and how much do I have other people do it? Which that was a whole, I could I had a whole process of I went through where I put other people first on the stage and I just kind of carried it and was behind the scenes and some realizations that I was just replaying my old work life where I was supporting my clients and putting them and I stayed behind. So I shifted there to so that I spent time thinking about that. And then um, the other thing is specializing in and focusing on particular price points which is another challenge that I've faced, which is, do I do the low end? Do I do the high end? Do I do the, you know, where do your prices go? So I got to the point where I'm less about um, specializing versus not specializing. And right now my focus is providing solutions for every price point. So that's part of the reason I opened the the membership was because I didn't have anything that was, you know, that $20 a month kind of rate. Everything I had was 600 a year, $75 a month. And I also didn't have higher price things. Um, and I know some people do um, coaching or uh, other kinds of things like that in order to get that high dollar value. But for me, I didn't necessarily want to do that because it was a, a huge time investment and I wanted to keep my time open to work, focus on this. So that, as you think about specializing, you know, the platform, certainly having a bunch of different platforms. And and for me, it's nice because I have Contracts.com, which is kind of a, a bunch of money and a bunch of time it takes. I have my membership now, which hopefully will be a steady stream that I create once and I'll go forever uh, because it doesn't require a lot of day to day. And then I'm working on creating my inventory of courses, which hopefully my goal is I'm going to have 18 ready two hour courses done by April. And then those will be there forever. And then it'll leave me free to do, maybe I'll do the high-end coaching in the future. Maybe I'll do something else. But yeah, I think for me, that's what I'm really focusing in on is delivery, how they complement each other. How do I serve my 
community and my market with different price points because different people have different abilities to pay. And I have people who want to consume and pay and buy things from me. So I have to make sure I have something out there, you know, that solves their problems. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up, Laura. I'm, uh, I'm inspired and excited and thank you for sharing and sort of opening the door for all of us to understand kind of how you're thinking about your business. It's, it's really interesting. So thanks for joining us before uh, we let you go. I mentioned contractscon.com. Um, where else do you want to point people uh, so they can learn more about what's happening? Yeah, my main uh, website is howtocontract.com. And that's where you can find out information about courses, workshops, um, and all the other programs that we have available. We're starting an enterprise training program to really help companies train their teams with um, customized plans using a lot of these different um, paths. So uh, that, and we'll be, that's going to be covered in the website as well. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, this is your second appearance on our show. I hope uh, we can do a third and get a new get a new update on uh, how things are going and your various. Yeah. Business. No, it's you know, I had the joke with uh, a friend of mine that it was going to be you know my goal when I first started was global domination, and so that's when I get there, I will uh, will I'll come back on. <laughs> All right, good. I I look forward to having that uh, that term in the title of the episode, <laughs> Laura Frederick. <laughs> dominating the globe all right cool well thanks laura and uh, to our listeners thanks for joining us we'll be back next week for another episode thank you for listening to the thought leadership project for show notes additional resources and links to the tools discussed on today's episode visit the thought leadership project.com